0: Brody, 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 My name is Caleb Walgren, the founder and host of the show, and I am joined, of course, by my co-host, who loves America's Brightest Orange and the Denver Broncos, Derek Rusnick. Derek, how are you doing today?
1: I am good. hope everyone out there in listening land is having a good work day.
0: And we have a special guest with us on the podcast again this week. I feel like we've been doing this actually quite a bit over the last month, which has been a lot of fun. And that is going to be Stu. You can find him on Twitter at SWO Productions. I will let him go ahead and tell you a little bit about himself. And uh, then I'll introduce what we're going to do today.
2: Ah, thank you so much, Caleb. So, yes, this is Stu from SWOProductions.com and the Stu World Order podcast, where we review random comic book movies with our guest every episode. Uh, episodes of that, if you want to hear about comic book movies, come out the 2nd, the 12th, and the 22nd, because I am wildly creative and like rhyming things, and I've just decided my episode comes out Stu on the Twos. So, if you need to remember that for some reason... That's that's my weird gimmick. My wife gives me crap over and says it's terrible. I mean, it's easier than having one every week. I will <laughs> give you that. So- I don't wanna do that much work. Initially, whenever, <laughs> I, whenever I started this podcast, because I was primarily a website, I have new articles every weekday. So Monday through Friday, new articles on the site. And then people talked me into like, well, do a podcast because I used to do one. And they said, get back into that. And I said, well, I don't want to do that much work. So initially I just came out twice a month and then I bumped it up to three. But that's it. I'm not going more than three. This is the exact amount of work that I want to do. We're happy with three. Yes. We're happy with three. More stew will do.
0: That is (laughs) what I'm going to say.
2: That's great. I need, I love rhyming things. Oh, my name's great. It rhymes with everything.
0: So what we're going to go ahead and do today with Stu is we're doing a Christmas movie draft where we have six categories and two flex spots, just like a good fantasy draft, where we are trying to get the categories filled for animation, a borderline movie, a classic movie, a comedy movie, a not safe for kids movie, and a streaming original which based off of our pre-talk with Stu and Derek, that is everyone's favorite topic. (laughs) And then uh, we have the two flex spots Uh, because I was gracious and gave Derek the first pick in the Thanksgiving draft. And I was completely miserable at this draft last year. I gave myself the honor of going ahead and picking first today. And then we will have Stu go and Derek will go back to back. We will snake around just like a classic fantasy football draft because That's, I mean, we're a football-based podcast. If we're going to draft, we might as well draft Snake. Like, it would be way worse if we did this as an auction draft. That would probably be the worst way to do this as a podcast. But let's go ahead. Let's get things kicked off. I'm going to go ahead and take a classic off the board because it's the one that is on your TV every Christmas Eve. And that is It's a Wonderful Life. Is it my favorite? No. But... I need to try to get some more points compared to how I did last year. So given that this is the second time around, I'm trying to show that I've learned my lesson. Uh, Any comments on that, uh, Stu or Derek, before Stu makes his first pick?
2: It was the top ranked of my classic movies. So you took the number one classic movie off of my board. I will say that.
1: Yeah, solid pick. Um, this guy is around day in, day out. Um, we can't get him off the TV. So um, definitely uh, first in, last out, kind of kind of movie.
0: All right, Stu, uh, what category are you going, and what movie
2: are you taking here at second overall? So here's the thing. i I thought for sure you would take this movie first overall. You did not, and I like winning. And normally, I would not do this. I would just be morally opposed to doing so. But you did specifically give us a borderline category. So I'm going to go with Die Hard because I know people like Die Hard. And for two months before Christmas happens, all you hear is about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. So borderline Die Hard first pick.
0: That's fair. I'm not surprised to see Die Hard go early and often in this draft. Uh, You know that someone is always going to love it. That's And let's be honest, it's probably half the reason why I made that category exist. <laughs> so you didn't have to sit here and go, where do I put Die Hard? Uh, and it just has a natural fitting spot. Uh, Derek, we are to you. You get to go back to back here at three and four. Uh, what are you feeling right now?
1: Okay, so I'm going to go with, with my classic. Uh, category first the one that you you watch even when it comes on tbs um you know you're gonna watch it uh, that's gonna be elf with will ferrell as my uh my classic
0: elf as a classic i think that that's slightly debatable but it is almost 20 years old now. So yeah, it's a, it's a I'm modern say that classic. That's fine.
1: It works. It totally yeah, that, is that not uh, I mean if if you it, want it, I can it works move that enough. down to comedy.
0: It works, Derek. I'm gonna let you it have works. it. You, you picked yeah. it for classic and in general mm-hmm. uh we're all kind of just picking against ourselves. So uh <laughs> if you put it in classic that means uh you're not taking a comedy that I can put in comedy later. Well, so I, I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah okay so then I will go with my animation and we've got to go How the Grint Stole Christmas.
2: Ah, that was going to be my pick. Curse you. Yeah, I'm so
1: sorry. I knew you're, I, I saw in your eyes.
2: <laughs> Actually, you know what? For for my second pick, which we'll get to in a second, I had it narrowed down to two and you just made my decision for me. So there that's fine. Go. It's It's a really good pick. It was by far to me the number one animated movie.
0: Yeah. Just to be clear, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, you're going with the, like, 1970s, whatever the original yeah. one was, okay? I, there's, like, 900 million versions of that movie now, so I at least feel like we need to call out that you want the the original, the OG, How the Grinch Stole Christmas.
1: Yeah, I mean, that I'm going as OG as I can get on that one.
0: <laughs> Stu, where, where are we going now that we are back to you here in round
2: two? All right, I lost How the Grinch Stole Christmas, so I guess I'm the last one to take a classic, right? You guys took A Wonderful Life and Elf. I'm going to take my classic, and it's going to be A Muppet's Christmas Carol. There you go. Nice.
1: There you go. That is a solid, solid pick. Anytime you can get the Muppets on a a draft, you're doing something right.
0: Well, and the really nice thing about that one is – because this draft has flex options, we could continue just pile up classics all day compared to some of the drafts we've done. So you need to make sure you get the classic you want in case you not true. really feeling that category so that you just have it out of the way and are set going forward. Um I'm going to go ahead. I'm on the board here. I've got to take for animation. I'm going with a Charlie Brown Christmas.
1: Yep. That's a good one. Good one
0: i know it's short that's half the fun of it uh i do have four kids and whenever i can watch something that is over in 30 minutes and put them to (laughs) bed it means that it is not there's less fighting during the movie because there is less movie and that just makes me happy all the more Uh, i'm gonna go ahead and take a borderline one here as well i'm going to take
2: gremlins
1: yeah, that Feel was uh, okay. Yeah, obviously, that's, uh...
2: obviously, Die Hard was my number one. Borderline Gremlins was number two. Yeah.
0: So I've got three. We're back to you, Stu. We're in round three. Where Where are you feeling? Uh, uh, the board's pretty open for you here.
2: It is. It is surprisingly open still. I am actually going to jump down a bit my comedy list. I'm going to pick the comedy I have ranked fourth. Although Elf was third, so that one's already gone. Because I think this one will bring in more votes than the ones I have ranked one and two. I'm going to go Comedy Home Alone.
1: Okay.
0: I watched that recently uh, with my family. And I realized how much, like, an hour of it is literally nothing happening. And then, like, 15 (laughs) minutes of it is the end of the movie that we all remember where yes. he does everything and is the part that we actually care about.
1: Yeah. There's like and... a scene
2: where he steals a toothbrush. Like nobody remembers that stuff happening and goes I... to church and talks to the old shovel guy next door. Like, no one you watch that. and You're just like, I don't remember any of this happening. Oh, he has good hygiene.
0: That's,
1: <laughs>
2: that's what matters here. Um,
0: Derek, we're back to you. Uh, You've got comedy open, you could take another one if you want that, or uh, where where do you kind of want to take as far as your board is concerned?
1: Okay, so I'm going to go with my comedy next because um, super popular movie, something you have to watch uh, every year as uh, I am looking for my Christmas bonus and my National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation.
0: We all knew it was coming sooner rather than later. Yeah. So definitely a solid take there to end round three. Derek, you also get to kick off round four.
1: Yeah. Um, So go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, where, what are you feeling? How do you, where do you want to start on that one?
1: So this, uh, I have an underrated movie. I'm moving down to my flex spot. Uh, because I believe I can pick up some good guys on my uh, my other three. So my in my flex spot, we have to go Arnold Schwarzenegger, we have to go Sinbad, we have to go Jingle all the way.
0: Nice. Anytime you can have Arnold and Sinbad in a movie, you know it's going to be an adventure. Uh, Stu, any thoughts
2: about that before you go ahead and... Uh, it's... Uh, it's a good pick. He just took Christmas Vacation and Jingle All the Way, and he took Elf earlier, so he had three of my five uh, things on the draft board for comedy. So I'm a, I'm a little worried. I'm thinking maybe I need to go flex for to get the last comedy here. I don't know. Maybe we'll see what happens.
0: Well, it is your pick, so you can you can go with a flex, or you could try to knock out an animation if you're worried about some animated things showing up in flex spots.
2: Uh, you know um, what? I, I actually am going to go animation. My number two animated film still on the board. I will go with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer.
0: There you go. Claymation and animation, I,
2: it, it all works, right? Uh, I was going to say, I, I hope that counts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I
1: assumed it was animated. Uh, I would fully vote for it in the animation category.
0: If you're not having it there, do you really want to have it anywhere else? Yeah. So... I, I think that it works. We're we're gonna roll with it. That, and we are very strict about all the rules on these drafts. Just gonna, <laughs> <that is strict. laughs> big sticklers. Absolutely. So, I'm looking through some things here, trying to decide where I want to go as far as the categories that we have, the movies that are available. I'm going to go ahead and go with some categories that just haven't been taken yet. Uh, I'm going to go with not safe for kids, and I'm going to go ahead and put Love Actually in that spot uh, okay. because there's definitely some things in there that I'm like, I'm definitely not watching this with my kids around. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? It's quite clear. You just don't want to do that. It
2: is going. <laughs> no to person be should a... show
1: up to the front door with white cards and <laughs> use a boom box.
2: But it's But it's become such a meme. Like now they have a commercial this year with the, the two guys from Scrubs doing it to each other. Which is
0: surprisingly way better than in the actual <laughs> movie. Um, next, I do want to go ahead and get a streaming original just so that way I can have the one that I know that I want I watched this one. It's from Netflix. It was uh, very, actually, heartwarming. I'm going with Klaus. Uh, Klaus is my streaming original. You see the old man out making toys for kids. It was very heartwarming. So, no spoilers from that. You kind of figure that out in, like, the first 20 or 30 minutes, I'm pretty sure. But Klaus is my streaming original, and at least... Have one so I don't have to worry about it later. So,
2: uh, Stu, any thoughts on those uh, before you take your next pick? You know what? Every pick that's been taken so far was on my draft board, and then you just took two that weren't. So, Klaus I haven't seen, so I can't speak to that at all. I have no idea how good or not good Klaus may be. Love Actually, I just didn't know where to put it. I kind of was like, is that borderline? Not safe for kids. Yeah, that that makes sense. But it was a movie in consideration. I just didn't know what category to put it in. That's
0: fair. I mean, could you put it in either of those? I would say sure. It just kind of, it was a, I see it come up around Christmas.
2: Oh, I mean, like borderline doesn't make sense either because it's definitely a Christmas movie. It's all about Christmas. I had it in classic yeah that's fair i
0: mean it's almost 20 years old as well it came out the same year as (laughs) elf all right well Stu, you've got not safe for kids you've got streaming original you both had that open that's part of why i wanted to at least get on the board in those categories uh you could go with one of those or you've got your two flex spots open so
2: where where are you going here i'm too scared of derek sneaking my comedy movies that i really want in other spots so my number one comedy movie is still on the board. I'm taking Scrooged. Dang it! <laughs> one pick short. One pick short. I love Scrooged. I think Scrooged is possibly my favorite Christmas movie. Period. Just just to watch for enjoyment. Uh, it's not the best, which is why I which is why I didn't take it earlier. But I think like of all of these that we've picked, that's the one I want to watch the most right now. <laughs> that's fair.
1: Is that's... that your not safe for kids or that your flex? Flex. Okay.
0: All right, Derek, okay. we're to you. I believe we're closing round five and entering round six of this eight-round draft.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the the obvious not safe for kids, and that's gonna go bad Santa.
0: Nothing wrong with that one. Plus, it means you got that category filled. Uh, and possibly making Stu sweat a little bit as he still has that one open when it comes back to him. Uh, you've got Borderline, Streaming Original, and your final flex spot available. Uh, where are you kind of landing here?
1: I'm going to shoot my eye out uh, and go <laughs> flex with a Christmas story.
0: Shoot. <laughs> I, I didn't really think that was going to make it back to me, but I was... Uh, over here, compl- not related to Christmas movies. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, but <laughs> definitely not a Christmas movie. Okay, so,
2: Stu? You know what? You mentioned the not safe for kids category. I, I feel really good about the movies I have on that list. I think there's a lot of good stuff okay. I can get late that I don't have a problem with. I don't... Mm, I, I have to go with my other flex pick because okay. this movie is definitely safe for kids and it's definitely not a streaming original. I'm going to go with the original Miracle on 34th Street.
1: High, high IQ pick there. <laughs> How he fell this far down the draft does not. Yeah. I don't understand it, but Miracle on 34th Street, very good pick. Well,
0: I'm going to go with, Two movies, I may have had them last year, I don't remember for sure, but they are some that are definitely in my wheelhouse as we are closing out round six and entering round seven. I'm going to go with The Flex first because it's a musical, it's a classic. I'm going with White Christmas. Um, yep. I also really enjoy the Sisters song that is in that movie. I think that it is hilarious. I classic classic moment early in that movie and uh, it always takes me like at least 10 minutes to remember where that movie starts out at because I see them like start and I'm like they're in the middle of a war why I don't remember this part of the movie (laughs) (laughs) and then like it you, you have to have that but it it does take me a second because it's not the same feel as the rest of the film. And for my comedy, I'm going to go ahead and enjoy Ryan Reynolds. And I'm going to take Just Friends because
2: I like that movie and it's hilarious. So... I've never seen that. I didn't know it was a Christmas movie. Oh, it's, it is. Uh,
1: yeah, it's set around Christmas. Okay. So, he comes um, back to town he, for Christmas. Uh, well, he ends
0: up back in town for Christmas. On accident, um, yeah, and he hasn't been there for ten years, and Ryan Reynolds—it's—it's it's probably some of what we would say we expect from him today, but from the early mid two thousands, so it's a precursor to before he's Deadpool and all of those things. All right. Definitely I, I think it's hilarious. So I if you want something that's a little bit different to watch, check it out. Uh, well Stu, you've got Not Safe for Kids and Streaming Original. You can no longer flex whatever movie right. you want. Uh, you have to at least try to be within those categories. Oh, I'm good. So. I got
2: I got plenty of options for both of those. It's not a problem. I, I feel I feel good about both of these. Uh, For my not safe for kids Christmas movie, it's the uh, big horror movie aficionado in me. I've got to go with the original 1974 Black Christmas.
1: Okay, there you go.
2: I'm going I have no idea what he is referring to, but that is me not (laughs) knowing movies. It's, It's widely regarded as the first ever slasher movie. And it's okay. a Christmas movie. It's it's very funny, but it's it's actually really well made. I just saw it for the first time like since COVID, because I've watched a ton of movies that were like on my blind spot since COVID, and it's really good. Nice.
0: Cool. Um, well, Derek, we are to you. You have two categories left and two picks left. They are borderline and streaming original. Would, okay, it doesn't so, really matter what order you take them in. It's yeah, just so pick where gonna a you want.
1: Uh, Streaming original first, Um, and that is going to be any of the Christmas Chronicles movies. There are at least three of them. Kurt Russell, uh, at his finest, playing Santa Claus. Um, So Christmas Chronicles, good movies uh, to sit around with the kiddos and uh, and watch those. So I, I do need a ruling from the governing body. Um if the word Christmas comes in the title, is it a borderline Christmas movie? <laughs> you,
0: you might as well just give us whatever title you're you're going with and we can see if it fits. The
1: nightmare before Christmas.
0: That, yes, because I definitely see people say, is it a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie?
2: Yeah, I, now that, I didn't know where you were going when you started that, but now that you say that, yeah, that's about as borderline as a movie with Christmas in the title was going to get. I had it in my animation category, but yeah.
1: Yeah, so I I, I had a, I have a good amount of borderline category, um, and if you did not uh, allow that one, then let's see, no one else has. Borderline, everyone I would have been going to say Batman Returns. Yeah. Uh, the second Batman movie, um, what, 80, 90, 90, 90, 91, something like that. When that came out, that is a Christmas movie, as a mm-hmm. uh, Borderline Christmas movie as well.
0: All right, Stu, you have a final pick. It's
2: your streaming original. Like I said, you're everyone's favorite category <laughs> uh, it on this, is. this list. And you know uh, what? I think I think I'm actually going to need a ruling on this one. Also, it's definitely a streaming movie. It's definitely a Christmas movie. I don't know if it's a movie, but I want to pick the recently released Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special from Disney Plus. It's like a uh, fifty. It's a fifty-minute featurette. It's called. I it's, I'll take a ruling. If you say no, I have other picks. But
1: no, I uh, it is a a standalone piece of art and it is greater than 22 minutes Um and so I would say that yes my, uh, my vote would be a streaming original and we'd allow it I, I would allow it Caleb it's up to you I mean it sounds like it's longer than both Rudolph
0: and a Charlie
1: Brown Christmas
0: oh that's <laughs> so, true too yeah <laughs> so I'm going to say that it works I haven't seen that sounds like it's definitely worth the watch because it Guardians is. is hilarious and Uh, I know in general, my wife was wanting me to watch Hawkeye with her this season. So maybe we can sneak Guardians Holiday Edition in there as well.
2: It's a good time to watch Hawkeye. Hawkeye is also Christmas themed. This is true too.
0: I I have not watched it yet. I'm that far behind on everything because (laughs) that is who I am. So let's see what we've got left here. I have a flex spot I don't have anything that I feel like is totally jumping out at me, which doesn't make me feel great. about <laughs> my, my Pick options here. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, the Santa Claus. I'm going to just take it. It's definitely one that fits the mood of the season. And yep. if you are into anything that is, uh, could be dubbed peak Tim Allen then uh, the Santa Claus does fit in that range. Um, I feel very awkward saying peak Tim Allen as a phrase ever. But I did, and that is a wrap on that. I'm just going to go ahead. Let's just go through our movies as a collective real quick. So for animation, I have a Charlie Brown Christmas. Borderline, I have Gremlins. My classic is It's a Wonderful Life. My comedy, which is probably my weakest area because uh, everyone was taking comedies, is just friends. Uh, my not safe for kids is Love Actually because it is uh, actually not safe for kids. Uh, my streaming original is Klaus, and for Flex, I have White Christmas and The Santa Claus. I at least feel like I did at least slightly better than last year considering uh, I've spent like August through February just watching football and not watching movies. So I'm very bad at this time of the year. Uh, <laughs> Stu, do you want to go ahead? Do you have your list there to, yeah, to recap?
2: I, I do actually. So for my animation movie, I drafted Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Uh, for Borderline, I had Die Hard because I'm a panderer like that. Uh, for my classic movie, I had a Muppet's Christmas Carol. Comedy, I took Home Alone. Not safe for kids, I took Black Christmas, the 1974 original, not the remake, it's not good. And for streaming original, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special from this year with my two flexes being Scrooged and A Miracle on 34th Street.
1: Great, uh, a great, great pick there. Caleb, by the way, do you know that the Santa Claus has a, uh, a streaming uh, series this year?
0: I did see Something that there else was a series, watch. but I didn't yeah. think... I figured a series doesn't count as a, a movie. So I I was like, I don't know it at all anyway, but it's more streaming stuff.
1: No, I was just uh, letting you know, to add it to your list, because oh, you're going to gonna be watching Disney stuff. Plus anyways. You're going to be watching Guardian of the Galaxy. You're going to watch Hawkeye. There's another thing to put on your, your list this time of year. And... Uh, it's a, I mean, me and the wife are watching it. It's uh, it's pretty good. If you like the original, uh, Santa Claus movie.
0: Okay. I'll, I'll keep that as, in mind as well. And I'm realizing as we're talking of the MCU here, I probably could put Iron Man three on the list of Christmas stuff that I could watch.
2: definitely but... also a borderline one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So my list, uh, for my animation is how the Grinch stole Christmas, the original, uh, the, my borderline is the nightmare before Christmas. My classic is Elf. My comedy is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. My not safe for kids is Bad Santa. My streaming original is The Christmas Chronicles, uh, and my flex are flexes are Jingle All the Way and A Christmas Story. I'm just
0: realizing that we let Derek pick five movies with Christmas in the title. <laughs> <laughs> like, like somehow I have two. You only have two, Stu. You got Muppet Christmas Carol and Black Christmas. Yeah, Black Christmas. I, I've, is I've, one I'm of worried. The two. I'm worried about how well Derek is going to do because he has Christmas in
2: so many titles. Yeah, he was picking very on brand. Uh,
1: you say you're a panderer. I'm pandering <laughs> to the same people you pander to because the whole—I mean, Die Hard being a borderline Christmas movie. Uh, is the same argument people have about the Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, yeah. my friend group literally argues about that uh, all the time. And uh, and you can't go without you can't go any kind of Christmas movies without Elf and Christmas Vacation. So um, yeah, I think I uh, other than my not safe for kids because I missed it by one one pick. I I, I like my uh, my my roster here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go ahead. Let's jump over to the football field a little bit here, switch up gears, and let's talk about some of the things that we projected before the season. Uh, Actually, we're going to start with some of the drafts we did because uh, we did drafts about all of the Power Five conferences, about who we thought were going to win those. And uh, newsflash, uh, Derek won pretty much all of those. Uh, I went back and checked the tapes. Uh, AKA, there's not really tapes. They were the old podcast episodes. Uh, But Derek had Clemson winning the ACC, which was right. Uh, I did have first pick there and was wrong. Uh, He had Michigan winning the Big Ten. I had the first pick there and I was wrong. Uh, He had (laughs) Kansas State winning the Big 12. Uh, That was the fourth pick off the board. The Big 12 was not easy to predict this year. Um, Although, going, I think we went. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and I might have said Iowa State. Like, it was not a good pick. No one knew what was going on in the Big 12 this year, uh, except for Derek. He's just clearly nailed that one. And then in the Pac-12, he had Utah winning it because he knows that the U- – and that was the first overall pick on that one. So Derek nailed, nailed these drafts. The only one that I got right was the SEC because I got the first pick there and picked Georgia. And so I was grateful that I at least show up. As an honorable mention in college football championship week, as far as a pick we got right before the season, trying to draft the teams, we didn't draft all the teams either, so we could have had one of those where it was like no one got <laughs> this. So, thankfully, we did at least get all of the winners in all of the leagues. Uh, the other projection that I have from our NFL divisional series as we both projected the saints to go under eight and a half wins as the saints are now at four and nine in the putrid nfc south they cannot get over eight and a half wins so derek and i both got that right high fives derek congratulations any thoughts you want to throw in there on those before we jump over to some nfl headlines
1: yeah i don't know what a ute is but uh, go utah utes and uh i uh, I did watch the Pac twelve championship game, and uh, because there are some ties that used to be in the state of Oklahoma. and uh, yeah, i uh, I like my pick now.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, they were the team that beat USC twice. So <laughs> all worked out very well for you. Uh, thankfully, they got there and were able to pull that upset. Although, so technically I did pick Ohio State to win the Big Ten, and they are in the college football playoff, but maybe we'll get into the college football playoff later. Uh, I know Derek has some feelings about that that are uh, loosely transcribed in the notes.
1: Hey, Um, um, Caleb, I have a question for you along those lines. Uh, In order to win a conference championship, don't you have to play in the conference championship game? If
0: there is one. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, so if there is one. Okay, so where was Ohio State on Big Ten championship game weekend?
0: They were probably in Columbus. I did not officially research this. but Yeah, uh, sitting were on were their not...
1: behinds, not playing a game, so there's no chance for them to win the conference championship.
0: I understand, but since they're the in the playoffs, I figured I needed to call that out, so.
1: And they shouldn't be, but we'll talk about that in a second. I
0: mean, I could have been a homer and taken Nebraska first, and that would have been an even worse pick. So
1: Even worse. He's
0: horrible. <laughs> Scott Frost got fired before the first month of the season was over. Um, let's not talk about that anymore. Okay. Uh, but speaking about people who got fired, uh, the Tennessee yeah. Titans came out today. Uh, days after, you know, getting embarrassed on the field – by a former wide receiver of theirs named A.J. Brown uh, that got traded to the the Eagles from the Titans this offseason. I don't know if you remember, Derek. A very, you know, low deal. Like, no, it was a huge deal. Uh, Everyone knew that the Eagles gave up the 18th overall pick for A.J. Brown, and then uh, they backed up the Brinks truck to his house, gave him a brand-new contract uh, because A.J. Brown had said, show me the money. The Titans said nope and uh, traded him to Philly, and uh, the Eagles were more than happy to pay him. And the Titans have now fired John Robinson, who made that trade. In a season where the Titans' offense just doesn't look very good. Derek, any thoughts here? The Titans, clearly they're in first place in their division. They're probably going to win the AFC South. Uh, Just not satisfying enough what what do you think about robinson especially this kind of odd mid-season firing
1: i have to say that there is something behind this not football related um i'm i never want to hear of allegations of impropriety or or anything like that but this just seems weird um it just seems that this is not the right time to do that um i mean if this happened on week 15, 16, 17 something like that i could understand making sure that you can get the very first bet of the best person out there but we're uh, you know we're just a few uh, few what we five weeks away so i mean if i if i saw this in a couple of weeks that would make a lot of sense um i do know the titans team was the number one overall seed last year in the afc So I don't understand how they could have gotten better like this year um, when it comes to like, oh, where are we at in the the playoffs? You have a little bit of a down year. You're going to make the playoffs. You're going to host a home game in the playoffs. I mean, barring the Jacksonville Jaguars just doing something amazing. I don't think they even they can do that. But um, so, you know all you're really looking for is a chance. Once you get to the playoffs, you're hosting a home game. I don't quite understand. Like, they have the quarterback that they think is going to be the future. A lot of people like Malik Willis. I think he did a great job in the preseason. And in his limited time on the field in the regular season didn't look that bad. I need some development. But, you know, I think he's going to become a a Lamar Jackson type. That you definitely want uh, on your team. So if, if you're going to fire a guy over the AJ Brown trade, then this is a weird time to do it. And probably not. The, I mean, you you've gotten, I think you've gotten better and younger this year. So it's weird to me.
2: Yeah, I want to jump in and say, I when you guys told me that, because I had missed the news today, I haven't been on NFL.com in the last, like, 12 hours or so, so I just missed that that had happened. When you told me the Titans fired the general manager, I was like, the Titans? Are you sure? Because that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I'm kind of with Derek. Like, is there a, a story here that we don't know yet? Because, yeah, you just got beat up by a guy that you traded away, but that's one trade, and you're still a first-place team in your division, like... That doesn't make any sense to me. It's not like the general manager overrode every single member of the ownership of the team and was like, no, I refuse to pay this man. I mean, if they were that mad about the trade, they would have stopped it. It's, it doesn't make sense to me.
0: I will say that if there's something that I think about the timing of things, if you think that you put together a less than excellent roster this year, which I think there's some arguments that can be made for that. Robert Woods' acquisition, yeah, they signed him. He hasn't done much. When your receivers are like Nick Westbrook-Akina and you're throwing to players like Charles Aquancro, I'm totally butchering names here. Uh, Like Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, those are no names. I do think that they're doing okay on the play-calling front, even though they miss Arthur Smith because – He was good. Mike Vrabel has done a good job as a head coach, and I think they're doing what they can. But I also think that they see the AFC moving out of their grasp a little bit. Even if last year you would say as the number one overall seed, they had a chance. I don't have the Titans in my top five in the AFC. I have the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals the dolphins all ahead of them now i probably could debate jets or some of the other teams for that final spot but the titans are okay that's what the titans have been they haven't been great and i think if you fire now you're looking ahead to that next offseason already there's no you know we're past the trade deadline no trades are going to be happening you're probably not going to sign anyone big right now unless all of a sudden people feel better about Odell Beckham jr's knee or something like that. Like, but this is, you know, college football season ended. You're starting that draft process. You're scouting. If you wait until after the playoffs, for example, you're already like a couple of weeks away from the combine. Like, what's the point? So I think this could end up being a bit of a newer thing that we see where GMs go out a little bit more of the midway of the season instead of waiting for the end point of the season, especially if they think they have someone in-house they can promote that's going to be okay for now. And you know that Mike Vrabel potentially is going to oversee them more in this type of environment. Uh, Any thoughts on that? I know that that's a bit of a different take than you guys went.
1: That's a bit of a different take and that's that's fine Um, That's your your opinion of the whole thing so let me ask you this this question. This is kind of a hypothetical here. So AJ Brown is a known quantity at this point, but who they traded the to get that pick. They traded Philadelphia to get Traylon Burks, the wide receiver out of Arkansas. And he's done a pretty good job when he's healthy and he's expected to be like a really good wide receiver. So do you, what do you think about, you know, kind of mortgaging this year, Um you know, a known quantity for someone in the future? I think it just is one of those
0: things where kind of like you said, they were the number one overall seed. And why does that timing match up for now? I, I know that in general, like, A.J. Brown had a year left. They weren't necessarily thrilled with it. I also don't know how you, as the Titans, pay A.J. Brown more money than you pay Derrick Henry. Like, that's just in general part of the difficulty that you have in that front office. Like, Ryan Tannehill already makes more money than Derrick Henry because he's a quarterback and quarterbacks get paid. And Derrick Henry needs to make his money because uh, he's unstoppable half the time. But then if you're gonna come out and then pay AJ Brown more, I feel like you're in a rocket between a rock and a hard place. Like the the way that the team is set up is not the way other teams are set up and you're financially hamstrung by your
2: own contracts. I feel like I don't, you guys have you guys have mentioned last year they were the number one seed, and I remember When the playoffs started and I was looking at the playoff seeding, I remember last year going, how are the Titans the number one seed in the AFC? Like that was bewildering to me. And I don't think there was a person alive outside of the state of Tennessee that actually looked at the AFC playoff spots and was like, oh yeah, I think Tennessee's coming out of the AFC and going to the Super Bowl. Nobody thought that last year and nobody thought they were going to win this year. So, I mean, I'm there with Derek's point where it's like, If you're just going to have A.J. Brown for this year, the Titans weren't coming out of the AFC this year. They're not better than the Bills. They're not better than the Chiefs. They're not better than the Dolphins. They're not better than the Bengals. So now you have a guy that can grow with the organization and maybe a few years down the road whenever the the power shifts a bit with you have Milik Willis and you have the Traylon Burks. Maybe then you could make a run. Yeah, I think like if that's how you're looking at that trade, I don't think it's a bad trade. If you're if you know you're not going to keep AJ Brown one way or another, I just I, I I don't know how anybody in the Titans organization could have been like this year's a disappointment. Like you're in first place and you're going to do as well as you're going to do because you're you're like you said you're you're no better than the fifth best team in the AFC. I mean, I'll I'll try to wrap it up here. I we're all saying the same thing. The Titans are are good,
0: but not great. They have some of the players they need, but not all of them. They they needed to improve. They needed to have more depth for the future. I think Traylon Burks, I was excited about him when they drafted him, and we're starting to see some of that promise. And let's face it, as a Packers fan, I can sit here and say, man, wide receivers sure seem to pick it up the second half of the season. Uh, this is, uh, There's a Christian Watson kid on my roster that I probably would have been glad to d- get rid of after about 10 games. Well, maybe like eight games, but I'm really happy with him right now. And the fact that he is apparently a contender for offensive rookie of the year when he showed up in November is a bit of a joke to me, but sometimes players just show up and start doing things. I'm, my hope is that for the Titans, they don't look at this kind of like I think Bears fans look at when lovey Smith got fired and they go, hmm. uh, I, we made a huge mistake. Like we've had winning seasons every year with John Robinson and we certainly could do worse. And I think that their hope is that they can do better. We'll see how it changes. Uh, the other news is. The Los Angeles Rams, who are pretty dang miserable, and the defending Super Bowl champions, they picked up Baker Mayfield on waivers from the Carolina Panthers because he got cut, and he kind of asked to be cut, is what I was hearing around NFL circles. You know, He knew that it was going to be the Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker show, which is probably one of the worst names of a show of all time. Uh, But Baker (laughs) Mayfield knew he was not going to be seeing the field asked for a different opportunity and now he is apparently trying to have the playbook sent to him so he can read it on the plane from Carolina to LA as they play on Thursday night football this week and i saw people saying Baker Mayfield may get the start this week. he is this is not <laughs> this is not Christian McCaffrey getting traded to the 49ers if Baker Mayfield starts for the Rams against the Raiders just know the Rams who don't have their first round pick this year are not trying to win So I don't know how many plays you can install in an offense with a quarterback who has seen the playbook for 48 hours. But I feel like this is a, sure, we'll let Bryce Perkins start this week, and then we have a long week after Thursday night to get Baker familiar with the offense. Um, Also, he's apparently wearing number 17, which felt super awkward to me. And maybe that's me – Uh, We say this all the time. We're an Oklahoma-based podcast, so I'm just used to seeing him wear that number six. Uh, And number 17 feels very awkward uh, on Baker Mayfield. Uh, Derek, do you have any thoughts about Baker going to the the Rams? Uh, Definitely not the way we saw this story going at the beginning of the season.
1: Okay, so if you're telling me that a quarterback drafted number one overall, is playing for a rams team i thought you were talking about sam bradford Uh, um (laughs) everything else of course sam bradford was drafted by the rams while they were in st louis but um no i love this move um so you have a offensive guru that can make uh chicken salad out of anything and a very very smart and by the way a lot of people behind the scenes do say that Baker Mayfield is a very smart and very adept quarterback he can he will he knows the playbook and he will he he will know the offense uh better than most other quarterbacks in the same situation what he actually does physically on the field is a different story uh reading defenses and stuff like that but I like the move. I want to see what he can do um, with someone who actually wants to give him a shot. The Rams are kind of beat up right now, but there's still some some talent on the uh, on the Rams, and I don't think there was much talent when it came to the Panthers. So I like the move. Let's see what uh, what Baker can do. Uh,
0: the Panthers do not have talent. Breaking news <laughs> from No <Bernie laughs> Sports Talk. Um, <laughs> <you>
2: know, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Stu, uh, anything you want to add there about Baker Mayfield uh, it's, going to LA?
2: It's fascinating to me the career trajectory that Baker has had since two years ago when he helped the Browns win their first playoff game in what feels like the beginning of time like they won a playoff game with this guy. I thought like they were immediately going to build a statue to him and he was going to be their quarterback for, for until the heat death of the universe. And now we're two years away and he's already gone through this many different teams. It's, it's just fascinating. I, I remember this whole off season and I told you guys, and we'll talk about them later. I'm a Seahawks fan. And I was like, we can get Baker Mayfield for a fifth round pick. Like just do that. And then they didn't, and I'm wrong all the time, and that's fine. But I, I, it's just fascinating to me. Like, I thought this guy was going to be Mr. Cleveland Browns forever because they've, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's so wild to me. Like, I can't believe that they finally won a playoff game, and now two years later he's this far out of town.
0: And, And don't forget, like, the year before that playoff game is when, like, Bud Light had done the promotion of having, like, the beer coolers all over the city of Cleveland. That, like, when Cleveland wins a game, we will open these so that people (laughs) can celebrate. (laughs) Baker was that quarterback. Like, when Cleveland wins a football game, we will celebrate. It was bad. It was really bad in Cleveland for a while there. and. Uh, and not only did they win that playoff game, they were up on the Chiefs. They were up on the yeah. Chiefs and had a chance to do more. It, it's a weird path. Um, I'll be honest, if things go well for him out there, uh, he's in the best spot for them to make a movie about his career. That is for sure. <laughs> so, uh, Derek, are you... Feeling like you need to overreact to anything right about now, or yeah, I need to overreact. Okay, I'll (sighs) let you introduce where we're going here then.
1: Yeah, so so we move to uh my second favorite part of the the podcast, uh, the overreactions under the radar, where each and every week, uh, me and Caleb, and sometimes our guests, if they want to overreact or under the radar or something, we I go on a rant. I I will just speak personally. I go on a rant about something usually football related that is bugging my brain. And then on the other side, I get very quiet and very soulful and, and talk about something that I don't think a lot of people are realizing. That's under the radar. But first, before under the radar, I have to overreact. And I've got to say it we need to change the college football playoff. And I'm not talking about the 12 teams that's coming up in two seasons. I'm talking about a complete division-wide, we are going to change the way that we talk about college football champions because there are the old guard and the new guard when it comes to the playoffs, and winning a championship in college football. The old guard, Bama, Florida State, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Notre Dame, LSU, and Michigan. Those those teams before the new playoff system, where we had four teams, they have dominated the college uh, championships going back forever. Now, there has been some intermingled Teams um, who have won championships since that are not them. But if you look at the last 40 years or so, that's who you're going to see. Now we come to the 2014, uh, about eight years ago. We're in we're in year nine right now. And uh, the teams that have made the four-team playoffs. So eight different years, nine different years, four spots. And let me tell you the teams that have made that, Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Notre Dame, LSU, Michigan, and Oregon, Washington, Cincinnati, and now TCU. There has been four teams in the last nine years in a four-team playoff that are not part of the old guard. And this year after selection tuesday and now selection sunday for the who's actually going to be in the playoff people are saying that an 11 and 1 TCU should not be in the playoff they should not be in the uh they shouldn't be in the 3 spot they should have fallen out and alabama should be at least the the 4 and probably the three, while Ohio State steps in when they didn't play for their conference championship or they didn't play that week. And they should be uh, the three seed. Alabama should be the four. And TCU should never be anywhere close. Folks, we need to have a division, a, a super premium awesome division of just the old guard and then let everyone else play in the new guard. If week after week, year after year, all we hear about is the teams that have dominated the college football landscape for the last 40 years, and we're not going to see anyone new, it's time to, to, do, to do away, let those teams go win a super premium, awesome national championship, and let deserving teams go play for... Let's call it Division One and a Half, college uh, college football, because no one is ever going to be good enough for the voters, for the people who put the playoff together, other than the old guard. I swear, I don't, I don't know what. I mean, yes, Georgia is undefeated. They're in the SEC. They had a great season and they deserve to be there. Michigan the same way. Ohio State, I don't think you. I don't think they deserve to be there because they didn't play in their conference championship game. They got blown out by Michigan. And when I say blown out, they were dominated the entire game. USC was, was, was there. They got beat up by Utah. So by virtue of mathematics, you had uh, Ohio State get in there. But so many people have said that teams don't deserve that the the Big 12 is not a good conference, the ACC isn't a good conference. I'm tired of it. Let's just let the awesome teams go play their super awesome bestie football championship and everyone else can play football. Rant over.
0: i like Derek's League of Super (laughs) Friends idea where the Super Friends get together (laughs) and play for their own championship that no one cares about or that all 10 of them care about, or whatever it is, and the rest of us get to have a a traditional playoff with teams that we may not expect. Um, Something's got to give. I'm excited for the the big 12-team playoff and the fact that uh, the six conference champions automatically make it in. So, like, Tulane would be in... This year with that, and uh, I'm always going to at least respect the 2017 national champion UCF Golden Knights. So I I, I respect people's claims to national championships, even if it is not through the new playoff. Uh, Stu, anything you want to add about the college football playoff? I have a different college
2: football tangent I'm getting ready to overreact to. So, uh, you know what? I'm not typically a big college football person and the reason for that is you just you're watching sports on a Saturday or a Sunday and you see the sports ticker go by and it's How many 70 to six games do I need to know about? And I think that goes to Derek's point. Just like, just get all these teams that put these cupcakes on their schedule and beat up state schools just so they can inflate their record and always be there at the end of the season. Yeah, you're right. Like, it'll never happen. It'll never, ever happen. But yeah, put them all in their own division. Make them play nobody but each other. Make every single one of their games matter. And yeah, just, I, I don't need to see Alabama playing like, Louisville, Central State. Like it doesn't need to happen. I never need that game on my schedule.
0: It's true. I never want to see that game either. So, uh, my overreaction this week, uh, just to keep with the college football theme, Derek, is that we used to live in an era where people cared about who has the number one recruiting class. You know, how many five stars? How many four stars? What 17 and 18 year olds are you signing to your school? that are going to be there for the next four years and all this happy, happy, joy, joy of like uh, 2019 of the years gone by when recruiting classes mattered. And I say that because recruiting classes matter no more. Uh, Just look at what happened with Texas A&M this past year. They got all that NIL money and they had a bunch of young kids who uh, were unable to win football games against more experienced and veteran teams because the transfer portal is where it is at. It is crazy. It just opened for an for the December portal for next year, and they said within that first day when people could join, over a thousand players joined the transfer portal. When you think about it, in college football, there's like 120 teams or something like that. Now it's really about eight play, people a team. That's not really that many. But you know that in general, USC, they were in the Pac-12 championship game. It's because of the transfer portal. When you talk about Michigan State doing well last year from Mel Tucker and showing up out of nowhere, it was the transfer portal. The transfer portal has made schools show up out of nowhere and – I think one person who's going to be a big recipient of it this coming year is none other than Coach Prime out there in Boulder, Colorado, because he's taken the job for the Colorado Buffaloes. He basically went in and had a meeting with the players that was like, hey, what's up? You might as well enter the portal because I'm not going to feel bad if I don't play you because I don't know you. And part of me is like, you know what? I appreciate his honesty. If you don't want to try to play for him, you don't want to play in his system, he didn't recruit you. He's showing that there is literally no loyalty to you being in the building. I'd rather have it frank than not, but it's just ridiculous to me how everything changes so quick and so fast in this new transfer portal era and uh, the rich get richer and the small stay small. Derek, any comments on that before we calm down a little bit and maybe do a yoga pose and go under the radar?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is going to – this year and next year will be the last two years that this is actually going to be an issue. So I don't completely disagree with you, Caleb, but because kids have six years with eligibility um, after – for like the class of 20, I believe it is – that uh they are given a COVID year and that did not count against their eligibility and so guys are entering the transfer portal where they have two and three years worth of eligibility left and that is skewing things where you've been on campus for two or three years and now you can transfer to someplace else and have another two or three years after those After those kids, grown men, uh, age age out and they graduate out, then you're going to see what is generally happening at happening at OU. So you're going to have four, three, and four star uh, guys come out. They're going to sign at an Alabama. They're going to sign in OU and uh, Ohio State, something like that. And they're not going to get to play. They're going to be backups, and they're rarely ever going to see the field. And then Once they see the writing on the wall, they'll go to a Tulane or an Oklahoma State or a uh, a Kansas State, something like that, where they can actually go get playing time. So the scholarships are going to be, they're going to stay the same. That's not going to change, and the transfer portal isn't going to affect that. And so it will even out. Uh, over the next two or three years. It looks really bad right now because we're in the Wild West of, I'm a really good player and I'm going to move. I, I will say, just on a personal note, that my college team, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, don't use a transfer portal and their starters have entered the transfer portal this year and I am freaking out about it. So... I will overreact to my starting quarterback uh, entering the transfer portal after four years.
0: Did Was it your starting running back too, or was it just a running back that I saw? that A running back. Today? Okay.
1: Yeah, so Dominic Richardson uh, is a starting running back, but the writing's on the wall. Ollie Gordon is going to start next year, and he's a really good back. So this, that, that one's not that big of a deal. But Mason Cobb, who's a great defensive player, Devin Harper – who's a safety, and uh, Tyler Lacey, who is a great linebacker. I might have those two backwards. Mason Cobb is the linebacker. Tyler Lacey is the uh, defensive tackle. Basically, all three levels of our defense, our best players, are going into the transfer portal. It's not good. No.
0: I think that that's the best way to say it, is the transfer portal is chaos, where... Someone's going to go in like Georgia who sees like half of their defense go to the NFL draft and they're going to be like, oh, this guy was a first team all big 12 at Oklahoma state. Let's go ahead and bring him in next year. And it's just insane. Like I yeah. said, the rich get richer with the transfer portal. Uh, Derek, you ready to bring it down? I know that bringing up Oklahoma state only, only raise it up more. So I want to help bring it down. Let's bring it down a little bit. Uh, where are you going to fly under the radar uh, as we we switch it up to go a little bit more pro?
1: Okay, so from one Cowboys to another Cowboys, um, the the Dallas Cowboys. Now we as a podcast generally don't like the Dallas Cowboys, and for many many reasons, but mostly because that's all we really get to see, or for most of our. Uh, Most of our lives, that's all we got to see because the Fox affiliate or the CBS affiliate would always show Dallas Cowboy games because we're from Oklahoma. This year, the Dallas Cowboys are building something very special, and they are even better than they were last year. So Dak Prescott uh, is exceeding expectations from where he was drafted, um they have a running back uh, tandem that you could argue, arguably say that the second best running back on the team should be starting over the over Ezekiel Elliott um you've got receivers that are doing a really good job of running routes and a offensive play, play caller that I don't think he's going to be there um, next year, Kellen Moore, um, is, has done a really great job, but I think he's going to get a head coaching job, um, somewhere in the NFL next year. So that's the offense side of the ball. Then you have Micah Parsons who just takes your breath. He's like, he, he, he is in every single play, um, and and does a really great job of disrupting what you're trying to do. There's going to be times that he does get beat, and coverage isn't his best um, part for covering like the flat and stuff like that. But Dan Quinn, which again I think he's going to get a, another head coaching opportunity next year um, with what he's done with his defense. I really think that they are in this. Hurricane of <laughs> really great, uh, re- a, a gr- hurricane of greatness, if you will, right now. They all the pieces are coming together. And if they weren't in the NFC East, we would be talking about them a lot more because the Eagles are there and they are they're an only one lost team. The Giants, with Brian Dable, is doing really is, is something really good this year. The Commanders are coming out of nowhere, and if it wasn't for a really tough East, if the Dallas Cowboys were in the AFC West or the AFC South, they would be far beyond expectations right now. I really think that the Cowboys, we're going to see them deep into the playoffs. Who knows what happens next year? You, you, you don't know who's going to leave or who's still going to be there, but... This year, it's just fun to watch.
0: It is. It really is. Uh, Stu, anything you want to say (laughs) about Dallas before uh, I go into the radar here real quick?
2: I just like the notion of anybody saying like, oh, if not for this, we'd be talking more about the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) as if society has not talked enough about the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL's history. But yeah, I mean, it's right. The Eagles are a one loss team at this point. So the Cowboys are kind of like they could well be the second best team in the NFC, but they're the second best team in their division. So what are you going to do?
1: You're not going to have a playoff game at Jerry world because of the Eagles this year.
0: (laughs) I will say uh, to possibly overreact real quick. NFL, why did you find those tight ends that did the whack-a-mole in the Salvation Army kettle? That was the dumbest... D- don't find them. That was awesome. Okay. That, that's I, my I, thing I, I need to say Can about I overreact now, to that, that nice. overreaction? Oh, sure.
1: I got really mad at Zeke Elliott for not doing the Salvation Army thing that he does every year when he scores a touchdown, and he didn't jump in the Salvation Army kettle this year, when he scored a touchdown, and I was really upset with him.
0: Oh, he did that on uh, Sunday night in the middle of the Colts getting destroyed.
1: Well, yeah, but it was on on uh, Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that fair. I
1: was, uh, yeah. So Maybe now he was thinking,
0: <laughs> as they were blowing the Colts out, no one was watching that game, so he might not get fined as much. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Um, no, uh, Dak went up and wound it like it was a jack in the box, and. Zeke stood up and was eating cereal because you know, that's what he does. You
1: um,
0: I'm, I'm glad that that celebration is uh, behind the gritty. As far as times are concerned, we went, we had the dab take over the NFL. We had the eating cereal celebration, take over the NFL. And now we have the gritty. The gritty is at least interesting. Um, So let's go ahead. I'm going to go under the radar here for a moment because I really was kind of curious. I was like, what do I feel under the radar about this week? I I feel like I've talked about so many different things. We're getting ready for week 14 of the season. I talk on this podcast for, you know, 90 minutes or so every week. And the one thing that I kind of landed on was I actually went ahead. I did one of those playoff predictors. Uh, or the postseason machine, uh, to just kind of see who who schedules do I like, who do I think might have a chance of being a postseason sleeper. And there were a team from each conference that I uh, was able to to talk myself into it. And I think in general part of it is my power rankings. I've I've probably been a little bit higher on them. We'll get to the power rankings here in a second. But I actually see the Detroit Lions – and the Pittsburgh Steelers as postseason sleepers. I just, especially with the injuries that the Ravens have had uh, with Lamar Jackson and having to put Tyler Huntley back in there, the Steelers still have both of their games against the Ravens on the schedule. So they have a lot of easy things going for them in that aspect. Their other three games are at Carolina, uh, Baker Mayfield-Less Carolina. Uh, hosting the Las Vegas Raiders, who should be disbanded out of the NFL per Derek, and then hosting the Cleveland Browns on the final game of the year in a game that the Browns may not have anything to play for, uh, but uh, hopefully Miles Garrett does not try to go after Kenny Pickett with his helmet this time. So uh, not not necessarily a a tough slate of opponents for the Steelers coming up, Despite the fact that they started slow when they got T.J. Watt back, they've started to win some games and figure that they're putting it together. The the Lions might be the other one that feels a bit odd because their next two games are pretty tough. If they can find a way to eke those out, they're going to get to seven and seven. They are considered a favorite at home this week as they host the Minnesota Vikings, which is a bit of a question mark. But they're a two and a half point favorite. You know, they did just beat the Jaguars by like 24 at home. So apparently, cats beating up on cats makes the NFL odds makers impressed. Uh, But they're happy about that for the Lions. Then they're going to go on the road to the New York Jets. And I just don't feel the same way about the Jets that I did about a month ago. Uh, The Jets seemed like they had things together. Then they like publicly called out uh, Zach Wilson and put Mike White in. And then they were like, Hey, hey, we beat the Chicago Bears, who played no defense. We're awesome. And then they played the next week, and they were like, oh, we moved the ball but lost against the Vikings, who are also a good team. So I don't know what I think about them yet. They are very curious. Uh, But then it's, again, Lions at Carolina hosting the Bears and playing the Packers. Uh, I will speak on behalf. The Lions could probably win all of those games, especially because – if you're playing the Packers in the final week, we might be playing Jordan Love uh, or and, like, no starters for potential <laughs> purposes. So uh, why not? The Lions definitely have a chance. So it just seemed very weird because I feel like those teams have both crept up a little bit from really, really bad starts, uh, especially the Lions, winners of four of their last five, um, the tough loss on Thanksgiving against Buffalo. But they're coming back. They're definitely coming back. Uh, Any thoughts about that, Stu, uh, before we get ready to switch over to power rankings?
2: Yeah, I I mentioned before we started, I am not a world-renowned Steeler fan by any stretch of the imagination. But I read something on NFL.com that was like, the things that we're sure of. And it was like, well, we're sure that Mike Tomlin's finally going to finish without a winning record. And then they listed who the Steelers have left to play. And it's like, really? I'm pretty sure... I could get like 11 of my friends and win those games. Like they're going to play the Ravens without Lamar Jackson twice. They're going to play the Panthers. They're going to play the Browns. Like, yeah, this is, these are nothing games. Like, yeah, they could sneak in. They always do. But you know what? You know what? I'd rather just, just win meaningless game. Steelers get a worse draft pick. You guys need like a good solid 10 years of being like a four win team, man. People in this town don't take – they take everything for granted. I want there, to see the Steelers have just like a solid decade of being a four-win team, man, and see what happens in this city.
0: <laughs> Chaos. That's probably what will <laughs> happen. Uh, anything uh, yeah, you want to add in I, there? Uh, here? Yeah.
1: I, I, I cannot agree with you more. Um, I I am going to take all of the credit for the Detroit Lions as – I when I called out Dan Campbell on this particular podcast in this particular segment of this particular podcast since then they have only lost once and I I'm going to take full credit for it as to get I'm, I'm sure he played the the episode and says like you guys Derek Rosnick is not happy with us let's get going Malcolm Rodriguez got up got to like This guy loves Oklahoma State. That's where I played at. We've got to do it for this particular guy, just some random guy in Oklahoma. And ever since then, the the Lions have been on a tear. I will say that it is surprising to me how uh, the Detroit Lions are in second place in a division and the Packers are behind them. So it's true. My brain is broken.
0: Well, Derek, uh, if you're going to fight with Dan Campbell, I recommend wearing some knee pads yeah. so you can't bite your kneecaps like he talked about doing in their his opening presser. But I will continue to make that joke for as long as Dan Campbell is the coach of the Lions, because I can. And uh, it's time to go ahead. Let's switch it up. Let's move over to our power rankings. This is the segment where we take all 32 teams. We rank them 1 through 32. We do it as a group. And it is quite chaotic because literally like teams 17 through 32, you could probably change on any given week. Uh, same with about teams one through eight this past week, it felt like. So we're going to go ahead. We'll start with our basement tier. These are the teams that we don't trust, and they're not getting out of the basement. They're not doing anything this year because they are awful. At number 32, we have Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans. At number 24, it is Derek Rusnick and the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I know Derek loves them. He might as well be on the team. Uh, at number 30, it is Baker Mayfield's new squad, the Los Angeles Rams. At number 29, it is the running game of Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. At number 28, it is uh, you had a decent start, Jeff, Saturday, but you've lost several games since then. It's the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, also, uh, maybe played better in the fourth quarter. Um, at number 27, we have Houdat. It is uh, the New Orleans Saints. At number 26, it is the Carolina Panthers. And at number 25, we have the Arizona Cardinals, represented by Kyler Murray, uh, probably playing Call of Duty as we're recording this tonight. Uh, so let's go back. I want to talk for a moment about the Houston Texans because uh, We try to talk about every team on this podcast, and as we're getting closer to the playoffs, I don't want to talk about them then. So we're going to do it now because it's early in December and we can get it out of the way. Um, But they just keep finding ways to give up points. uh, As in their latest contest where they played against the Browns, they gave up uh, multiple touchdowns on either defense or special teams. And I went ahead, I looked over at Football Outsiders to figure out the odds and percentages so I didn't have to figure them out myself. Uh, But they said that the Texans have an 84.4% chance of getting the number one overall pick. Uh, That's what happens when you have one win and everyone else has three or more wins. So it definitely feels like they will probably have it happen, even though there's still five weeks left in the season. Uh, Playing Kyle Allen at quarterback also helps you get the number one overall pick. So you're doing a great job, Texans. Uh, So they are uh, what feels like in an early process of a rebuild that may never end uh they're not really getting a whole lot together. Uh Derek, I'll go to you on this. Uh kind of who are your top three targets that you would consider here at number one overall because we're just gonna kind of pencil it in that they have it. It feels right. Uh where do you want to go?
1: Yeah I I this is a very quarterback rich draft. I, I think you have to take uh a quarterback one so there's a bunch of names out there: Young from Alabama, Stroud from Ohio State, uh, Drake May from North Carolina. But I don't think anyone wants to redo the Mitchell Trubisky uh, <laughs> life, where we're going to take a take a guy high from North Carolina. Uh, you know, so I think you you have to look at at, at QB. Uh, one there because I don't think that uh, they like uh, Davis Mills. I don't think they like Kyle Allen. I'm not sure they like anybody, uh, and that's kind of the first piece you have to to put together because you're not going to be able to to bring in any kind of free agent if you don't have uh, a quarterback. And I think that that's how Houston is going to kind of rebuild a little bit quickly. Um, so they're. They've just been bad for a long time. They've had number one overall picks and top five picks for as long as I can remember, uh, basically. So, you know, this isn't going to be a one-year thing. Uh, I think after that, you look at... Uh, I don't have the names in front of me, but you look at often the linemen. Uh, there's a, there's a, this is not a deep draft when it comes to, uh, to linemen. So if you have the number one overall you go for the best player available and start building from there. Get your left tackle, get your uh, your right tackle, get those guys in there. Um, you try to upgrade what you have. And then uh, after that, I think you look at uh, defensive lineman as uh, choose someone from Georgia. <laughs> and there's an, there's an overall pick. So that's kind of where my top three would look is uh, it's QB1, offensive lineman linemen because that's who I am. And then someone who has worn red and has come close to petting Uga. I don't know.
0: Um, so it's interesting, Derek. I pulled up a mock draft. So uh, offensive tackles, you're, you're right. They're not rated very high this year. Yeah. Uh, Peter Skronsky from Northwestern or Harris Johnson Jr. At Ohio State are two of the higher rated ones. Um, Jalen Carter, I think is the defensive tackle from Georgia that you might be potentially thinking about there, or (laughs) you're just randomly saying defensive player from Georgia, because there are players from Georgia that people will be drafting. Yeah. Um, Uh, Stu, before I kind of go into my three, is there anything you want to tack on here about the Texans or, uh, just make fun of them because they exist?
2: They're just, they're one of those teams that I don't know why you don't see it more often in the NFL where you have a team that doesn't do anything well. Like they kind of run the ball. That's it. And it's just like when you have the number one overall spot, is it that hard to find a team in the 20s that thinks they're like, one quarterback or one wide receiver away that won't trade up and get that pick so that you can accrue things because like taking a first overall pick is not going to help the Texans. Like Derek said, they've done that so many times they've had so many number one overall picks and here they still are a crummy, bad team. And most of those people are gone. So I don't understand how teams like this, like, is it that hard to trade out of that spot? Like, do other teams not want it? Or do these teams honestly think like, no, this is our fifth try. This will be the year we get the gold mine player. I mean, to be fair,
0: uh, the Jaguars had back to back first round picks before this and they still stink.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I, they're another team. They I, can't do anything like Trevor Lawrence. OK, I remember the hype around him. That made sense. But last year, again, the Jaguars are a team that can't do anything. They couldn't have moved back and gotten like three or four picks instead of just that one. I I don't know. Uh, yeah, there were no quarterbacks that anyone wanted last year, yeah. which is half
0: of the problem. You have to have a, a draft that's rich in the right talent. And then you see teams like the 49ers give up a ton of picks to the Dolphins, uh, where the Dolphins completely rebuild their teams and the 49ers get a young kid who can uh, either ride the pine or get hurt. So, you know, great great things happening in San Francisco, which I'm sure you appreciate. So uh, just to go ahead, I'm going to name three potential players, but uh, Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, I think he's got to be someone you consider because he's probably the best player in the draft if you're talking about talent that you know is going to be for sure there. because they're so bad in the passing game, I would also recommend uh, potentially a Quentin Johnston from TCU as a wide receiver or a Jordan Addison, the receiver from USC. Brandon Cooks is not getting any younger. I know you didn't have John Mechie this year because he was out. Um, but get someone who can catch the ball. Uh, I hear catching the ball is a big deal in today's NFL. Uh, I recommend the Houston Texans try throwing passes. Uh, occasionally because Damian Pierce cannot handle 40 carries a game. I I was curious because I did look a little bit at the 24 draft class. Technically, Caleb Williams or Quinn Ewers could be coming out there. But I think in general, when you have the top pick and you don't have a quarterback, you have to take a quarterback and just hope that it works right. So I'm going to say it's probably Bryce Young. I don't think Stroud or Levis are currently there. I don't think Anthony Richardson is there. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that go, in my opinion. Uh, like this one I'm looking at by SB Nation had four quarterbacks in the top 10. I think it's possible. Um, they had the Lions, Panthers, and Colts joining in that list, and all of those teams need quarterbacks. So do I think it could happen? Absolutely. I just think you can't pass on a quarterback and then have a quarterback blow up and then still be horrible forever. Uh, there's no guarantee that the quarterbacks next year like Caleb Williams or Quinn Ewers are going to be there. You got to take one now while you have the chance. Let's go ahead. Let's switch it up. Let's go to our wavering tier. These are the teams that are the next eight. They, we don't really trust them. Uh, they're they're out of the basement, uh, but they're also not necessarily good. Uh, They're teams that just kind of are, we're wavering on them. We don't trust them. We don't hate them. They just kind of are not good. Uh, At number 24, we have Duvall representing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. At number 23, it is Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, At number 22, we have uh, Nick Chubb and the Cleveland Browns making an appearance. At number 21, it is my beloved Green Bay Packers. At number 20, it is Stewart's much-hated Pittsburgh Steelers. At number 19, it is Derek's much-hated Las Vegas Raiders. At number 18, it is uh, Bill Belichick and absolutely no offensive coaches on the New England Patriots. And at number 17, it is Brandon Staley, Justin bear and the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, maybe they will have a healthy team someday, but not this year. Um, So uh, the team I wanted to highlight here is actually the team the Texans played this past weekend in the Cleveland Browns because Deshaun Watson finally made his impact on the field. Uh, So first start in the Browns uniform, eh, not special, 12 of 22, 131 yards, so not even that many yards per throw, Uh, zero touchdowns, one interception. I mean, you threw an interception to the Texans, that's not necessarily impressive. Uh, They finished the season, uh, so their, their five games are at Cincinnati, hosting the Ravens, hosting the Saints, and then a road trip at Washington to face the Commanders and at Pittsburgh. So, Stu, I'll go to you first. Those are the five games. What do you think the record will be for those five games? I can go through them again if you
2: want. Yeah, yeah, give me those games again. All right, so at Cincinnati. With Deshaun Watson, okay. Yes. So at Cincinnati
0: host the Ravens, host the Saints at the Washington Commanders and at the Steelers. Boy, it's two and
2: two going up to the Pittsburgh game. And that could go either way. Those those two teams, especially now when one is not clearly better than the other, that could go either way. I'm going to call it two, two and one because I think the, the Steelers are going to go eight, eight and one and Mike Tomlin's going to scrape by at 500 again. That would be Hilarious.
0: <laughs> uh, Derek, uh, how do you feel about those five games? for Two players? and three. Uh, which I two have, or do you have them winning? Just curious.
1: So I have the Saints is, is a certain one. And then. So the Ravens and the Commanders are the coin flip of the second one. I think Cincinnati beats them handily um and then i think at pittsburgh that last game of the year i think that's the game that gets the the ninth win or the um
0: maybe pittsburgh ties elsewhere and they get a yeah. win there okay. <laughs> maybe
1: get the eighth win i think um, honestly i mean well, we'll the last of Raiders, game of this,
2: that feels right
1: yeah you uh the last game of the year an AFC North opponent. Um, and you know, if we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers being a sleeper uh for the playoffs, you're gonna have to win that game. So I, I I'm going to say if Lamar isn't back, I'll say it's the Ravens game. And then the Commanders beat them. So two and three.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say win at home against the Ravens and Saints, lose on the road, Bengals, Commander Steelers it's super basic of me to say that because it's like you win your home games and lose your road games, (laughs) but that's also their home games are much easier teams and their road games. Like, especially if Pittsburgh has something to play for and presumably Cleveland wouldn't at that point, it's going to be a very big atmosphere in Pittsburgh and could Cleveland play spoiler possibly, but I also don't think that there's that much talent on the Browns offense, so it's not going to get that much better, but let's go ahead. Let's go to our aspiring tier. I know that Stu is really excited about this one because (laughs) uh, we have his team is in here, but I won't spoil their exact location yet, Uh, but these are the teams we they're aspiring to greatness. They're aiming for the playoffs right now. They they're not necessarily, they could be on the bubble If you're like watching those postseason graphics, they could be on the bubble. It could be in the hunt. In the hunt is the word they use for football. I'm totally messing that up. In the hunt, (laughs) uh, or maybe like wildcard teams, probably not most of your division winners, uh, unless you're in the NFC South, are showing up in this uh, division. I guess the the South division, both of their division winners are currently here. Um, So at number 16, we have Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. At number 15, it is Tom Brady and comebacks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At number 14, it is Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. At number 13, it is the 12s, Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. At number 12, it is the Washington Commanders. Then it's time to head up to New York because at number 11, we have the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And at number 10, we have the New York Football Giants. Last but not least, in this tier, we have at number nine the uh, we scored more than nine points this past weekend. The Baltimore Ravens. Uh, sorry, Derek, that might be a slight <laughs> uh, irritant to you there. Uh, let's let's go back to Seattle though. So, Seattle is currently the seventh seed. If you looked at the postseason picture as of today, uh, because they're and of course they're ahead of the Commanders because. Seattle's had their bye after the Munich game. Commanders have not had a bye and they have a random tie on there. So they're seven and five. Commanders are seven, five and one. Uh, Again, I looked over to our friends at Football Outsiders for a little bit of inspiration. And so I was intrigued because when I think of Seattle, and maybe this is old school of me still, but I still think of them as like they've got, you know, Ken Walker. They were running early with Rashad Penny. They like to run the ball. That's what Pete Carroll does. They run the ball, and they play good defense. Uh, They're not really doing either of those right now. Uh, They're not running the ball well. Uh, Their defense is also not great. Um, But they had their passing game as the fifth best passing game in the NFL. So here was the tier of it right now. So it was Dolphins, Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, Seahawks. And then the Bengals. So one, I was like, I need to transition my mindset a little bit here because I don't normally go great passing games. You know, Bills, you know, you've got Josh Allen throwing to like Stefan Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis. Then you've got Geno Smith throwing to Metcalf and Lockett. And then Burrow throwing to Chase Higgins and Boyd and... I'm like, wait, what? The Seahawks are in this conversation, so uh, my question was, who who do you primarily give the credit to here? And I'll let you answer this first, Stu. But I'm, the, are we giving the credit to Geno because he's having such a great year? Are we kind of going at the wide receiver talent with Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, or and this is probably the least likely one for you to choose, or are you going with the offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, who used to be the passing game coordinator? Of the Los Angeles Rams for Sean McVay. So anytime we can mention people who have had coffee with Sean McVay, we know that
2: they might get a head coaching opportunity. So had to bring up Shane Waldron here in this conversation. Uh, I, I'm going to go off the board. And I mean, I think you have to give the credit to Pete. I mean, uh, like I I, I expected going into the season, like this whole season is house money at this point. We've already won more games than when I looked at our schedule at the beginning of the year and I ran down, okay, win, loss, win, loss. I had us as six and 11. We're seven and five. We're already better than I thought we were going to be. This all feels like smoke and mirrors because I, you're right. It's, it's all the passing game. It's all the Geno Smith-led passing game. And he's the best story. Like, you want to give him all the credit. But, like, the book is written on Geno. We know who he is, and he's not this guy. Like, I think... Pete Carroll just being, like, uh, the 12-year-old boy stuck in a 70-year-old man's body who's just super excited about everything, and just, he was insisting this wasn't going to be a rebuilding year, and I think he just, I think people bought in. I think, I, I i hate to say it, because, I mean, I know the story is fun with how terrible he's doing, but, like, I really did like Russ, and I don't want to say anything bad about him, but you're hearing all these stories now about how, like, His own teammates had to call his agent if they wanted to talk to him. And I don't think teams wanted to, I don't think the Seahawks wanted to go to war with this guy and maybe they do with Geno. And I think it all comes from Pete Carroll's just infectious, like, nope, we're going to compete. We're going to, I mean, that's Pete Carroll's thing all the time is compete, compete. I think he just let them refuse to just believe like, yeah, this is going to be a rebuilding year and we'll draft one of those quarterbacks next year. But, I mean, aside from that, I mean, if you want to give the credit to the receivers like Metcalf and Lockett, I, wildly biased, wildly biased, completely admit that. I think we have the best one-two receiver combo in the league. So that doesn't hurt.
0: It doesn't. It definitely doesn't. Derek, where are you kind of leaning as far as who you would give the credit to here in the Pacific Northwest?
1: Yeah, so I want to give it kind of an overall... It, everything, all the pieces work together, but I want to give it to a certain uh, quarterback that recently had a birthday. Um, it's Russell Wilson uh, because everything is related to Broncos. Uh, no, so there is a Venn diagram <laughs> of so Russell Wilson showed everybody else just how uh, how much they have to outwork to to make this look like a, a a average offense. Last couple of years with Russell Wilson been pretty average when it comes to offenses. All of a sudden you get the stumbling block out of the way and the now the car takes off because it's not dragging behind a an rw shaped cedar block. Um so uh it's all Russell Wilson uh it's He's he's amazing and wonderful at making sure that offenses uh, look a lot better than they actually are. I watched Geno Smith at West Virginia. That was a long time ago. He's he's an old man now when it comes to, to football years. Um, he had this type of, of drive and ability back then. Um, I am going to say that this is for Shane Waldron, that putting together a a game plan with someone who listens someone who um, who actually like oh okay this is what the play call is and this is how that play runs and this is what it looks like based upon your head so Geno Smith a big high five handshake to him for going out and playing the football the coach wants you to play and that's why why the Seahawks are in the position they are right now if it wasn't for the 49ers they would be you know a bigger story when it comes to the NFC West
0: Seahawks country let's fly okay I <laughs> I, that came in my head and i had to say it out loud
2: um, my uh, my favorite tweet I have seen lately has been whenever Pete Carroll retires and it's time for him to be considered for the Hall of Fame, they just he just needs to send the Hall of Fame board clips of Russell Wilson playing in Denver and then he can start measuring his uh, gold jacket. <laughs> uh,
0: fair. i I I think you guys made excellent points about everyone, so I'm not going to belabor this point. I think I'm going to give the credit on this to Gino. I know that in general because. There was just no expectation for him to do what he's doing this year. And at some point, there are quarterbacks that just don't make this work. There are quarterbacks that don't find the right receivers at the right time. Um, Whether it's Metcalf or Lockett, Marquise Goodwin has had a great game earlier this year. They've had injuries. They've still continued to do what they need to do and win games. And at some point, I mean, there's a reason why Geno Smith is probably going to win Comeback Player of the Year. He has been phenomenal, out of his mind, brilliant. Um, I don't know if you catch all of our episodes, too, but I basically at one point said uh, I started a Seattle Seahawks Apology Tour because I was just like, there were things that I said about them before the season that I was completely dead wrong about, and those are recorded, and unlike your 6-11 and projection, I think I was lower than that. I think that the over-under was like, uh five and a half wins and I was under that and so I was uh dead wrong. Oh I and... had I had
2: six wins just on the basis that I thought our schedule was terrible. <laughs> like I was just like, oh there's actually a lot of winnable games.
0: Yeah, but
2: it's it's
0: one of those things where I go I'm going with Gino. He has to go out and make the plays on the field and he still has to get it to Metcalf and locket. I agree they're great. <laughs> um, the way that uh, the guys over at Move the Sticks would call it, they say some quarterbacks are trucks where they can pull the team and some quarterbacks are trailers where they need to have the talent around them. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't think Gino is a trailer. He needs to have the right talent at running back. They got the new offensive tackles. They got the run game. But Gino still has to get credit for doing what he does. So let's go ahead. Let's finish off the – power rankings as we go into our playoff tier. These are, of course, the teams that we would sit here and say are locks for the playoff, especially as we are entering week 14. At number eight, we have Tua Tungvaluwa and the Miami Dolphins. At number seven, it is the team that beat them this past week, uh, Kyle Shanahan's San Francisco 49ers. At number six, it is Joey Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. At number five, it is time to roll with my homies and go with the Kansas City Chiefs. At number four, Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And at number three, uh, they scored 33 points in the fourth quarter this past week. And uh, Mike McCarthy somehow has uh, 10 wins again as the NFL head coach. It's the Dallas Cowboys. At number two, it is time to get iced up like Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. And at number one, for what it feels like the longest time ever that we've had a consistent number one in our power rankings, it is... Time to fly, Eagles fly for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they've they've been number one like since week three or four, right, Derek? Like it's been a long time. Like, it's we been a were, while. We were on the Eagles early, and once the Bills lost, it was like, okay, yeah, let's let's get the Eagles up there. Um, but let's talk about the 49ers first. Uh, they're the team in this category that we have to talk about, of course. Jimmy G, they thought he was going to be out for the season. Uh, now they're like, oh, he's out the next seven to eight weeks. So he could return in the post. Okay, they still have to win games to make the postseason and get far enough in the postseason. So let's not talk. We're in week 14. There are 18 weeks. If he's out seven to eight weeks, he's out for the rest of the regular season. Let's let us pump the brakes on being like, ah, he could come back. If If they're good enough with Brock Purdy, they'll be fine. And at this point, I feel like Brock Purdy is entering – uh, to make an Eagles comparison, he's entering the Nick Foles position. Uh, he's got to lead the team at the quarterback position. Uh, literally no expectations on him because he is Mr. Irrelevant from this last draft. Derek, you and I know him a little bit. We, we follow Big 12 football. He went to Iowa State. Uh, I remember you even talking up a little bit in the preseason about how he was doing for a rookie quarterback, and I was like, I don't know if it's going to matter, and you were like, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about him anyway. Um, so do you think he's up to the task? And then, of course, do you think he's going to get the 49ers in the playoffs? And then, do you think they can actually win games with Brock Purdy? At the co- like, can he pull a Nick Foles? Not necessarily you'd be like, hey, I quarterbacked for the last four weeks of the year and won the Super Bowl, but yeah, sure, why not? Well, do you think that Brock Purdy has, uh, That possibility. I want. I almost said, "Do you think he has that dog in him?" And then I decided I was way too old to say that. So, uh, (laughs) do you think he has that that potential, Derek?
1: So I think that uh, Brock Purdy can win some games in the NFL because I've seen the Denver Broncos win three games this year (laughs) and not (laughs) score more than three points. Uh, So that is, of course. Uh, a joke, guys. No, I, I. He had a really good game this last week. Um, Josh Johnson was just signed this week. He also can win some games uh, when Brock Purdy goes down because the San Francisco can't. San Francisco Forty Nineers can't keep a healthy quarterback. By the way, Jimmy G is the backup quarterback because Trey Lance got hurt <laughs> this Back year. Back in week two. <laughs> Back in week two. So understand that, that Jimmy G, after winning all these games and being the best team in the NFC West, is technically the backup quarterback, even though he'll always be number one in my heart. Um, I love the 49ers. They're my bandwagon team this year, the team that I'm jumping on because I have a horrible team in the Mile High City. Um, I think he can win game. He he did good this last week. Get out of the way. Uh, of the other weapons that are on this team, don't turn the ball over. Don't put your defense in a bad situation. And you can win some games because um, they, you know all that defense is really great. They have Christian McCaffrey, they have Debo. They have, you know, as long as those guys stay healthy ish. um then, you know, you're just, running the offense and and he's been there for um uh, you know more than 10 weeks right now and um you know i'm sure he's probably picked up some uh, <laughs> some stuff i'm sure that they, they go through uh a lot of stuff with a backup quarterback because they have to in san francisco um uh, because guys get hurt way too much uh so yeah i mean i think he i think he can do it are they going to go deep in the playoffs? Probably not. Cause they don't go deep in the playoffs with Jimmy G. Um, so. They did once. Well, that's true. But I mean, like consistently they don't, uh, I mean, as long as, Hey, maybe they'll play the Packers and then we'll know, we know what happens for well, the 49ers and the Packers.
0: Uh, Derek, I believe this is the wrong playoff expansion chat that you are talking about here. Uh, the <laughs> Packers are definitely not going to make that postseason schedule for the 49ers. Um, Stu, anything you want to say or I don't necessarily expect to be a Brock Purdy expert. Uh, no,
2: I'm not. Considering I all
0: uh, 50 minutes of game time that he's played
2: this year, I certainly am not. But I did watch much of the uh, the Dolphins 49ers game this week. I think his name fits it was name. His nickname fits in perfectly because he's irrelevant to the 49ers. The 49ers are going to crush people with their defense and with their running game. And you've got Debo and Christian McCaffrey, who are two of the better safety valves. You've got George Kittle, who's a nice safety valve player. Like it's really set up for a guy to come in and if he has to dink and dunk down the field to just kind of get some first downs, play the field position game. It feels like if there's any team in the league that almost anyone could quarterback, it would be the 49ers. I think. I'm trying to think about the entirety of the NFC now. I still don't really believe in the Vikings since they got annihilated a few weeks ago. I I, I think the 49ers are still the second best team in the NFC. Like, I think the Eagles could beat them. But I mean, right now on a neutral playing field, I'd still take the 49ers over the Cowboys. I just think I mean, that defense is ridiculous.
0: I mean, if you get the 49ers, especially that first game, they're probably going to play someone in like the six or seven seed, especially with, you've got to assume that Eagles and Vikings are probably staying ahead of them.
1: The yeah. 49ers oh, yeah. are not
0: going to win out here. So, and they're definitely not going to lose as many games to be down below the buck. So the three seed is very expected. So if you put it like a giants or commanders team there, I think that we would all say, yeah, the 49ers are going to measure up well against that, even with Brock Purdy. I think that it's one of those things where the thing, just I'm going to try to make this go full circle here, guys. It just feels one of those things like this is the bad rom-com where uh, Kyle Shanahan is the handsome, uh, popular jock, and he's trying to figure out like someone's daring him to make someone a prom queen. That's a, the, the and, and Brock Purdy happens to be the ugly girl. And it's like, well, can you win with this quarterback on your team? And then Kyle Shanahan's like, not only can I, I'll show you what I can do. And it's like, okay, Kyle, time to put your, your money where your mouth is. Let's see how you turn out Brock Purdy this year because it's definitely going to be different and it's going to be interesting. But I do think... Uh, the way D'Amico Ryan's and that defense are playing, it, it's win or lose. You may lose because of Brock Purdy, and that's really what they have to avoid. Just don't lose because you did something stupid. Like don't go out and have a three-interception game, including a pick six. Like go out there, be a game manager. You know, I don't care if you throw checkdowns to Kyle Juice Just don't mess it up and that's exactly what i'm sure i i don't they probably are not telling him that but that's what i would want to tell
2: him <laughs> did you ever do you ever see a team where they lose a game and it's the best thing that could have happened to them i think the 49ers getting rolled over by the chiefs is the best thing that could have happened to them because they were like oh okay this is what the elite of the league looks like And like, ever since that game, their defense is a wall. I think their defense got so offended by that game and how they looked that they're just like, no, one's going to do that to us again, period. That's an interesting point. I hadn't necessarily thought
0: about that, but I do know that it was one of those things where the chiefs put a hurt on them Mm -hmm. and it was, uh, that was right when they, they had traded for McCaffrey, but they hadn't been able to, really get him installed in the game plan yet so who knows I'm I really want to be able to see what this offense looks like the way that it's intended you know let's get Trey Lance back healthy next year let's see how a healthy McCaffrey Debo Lance backfield looks like let's see how crazy Kyle Shanahan can make it because Jimmy G was not necessarily, again, winning or losing them games here either. It was great run game, great defense, great play calling, and Jimmy G is the quarterback. And it's kind of insert the same recipe and Brock Purdy is the quarterback and see how it happens this time. Uh, Derek, man, this is going to be a, a beast of an episode. We've recorded a little long for some time, but we've got one final segment left. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and lead us into our Brody bets?
1: Yeah, so we uh, here at Brody Sports Talk uh, choose a couple of games each week where we uh, have, quote-unquote, the Brody bets. Now, we uh, are not a betting podcast because, one, we live in Oklahoma, it's illegal, um, and we would never do anything illegal. But two, we are so bad at it that we would lose money, and our wives would kill us. So, as you can, as you'll hear in just a moment, Caleb cannot afford to uh, to actually bet on games, and so we don't do it. We uh, we give out handshakes, we give out high fives, and uh, that's how you. That's what you win when you win a Brody bet. So last week. Our fan vote was the bills and the Patriots uh, for me. I had the bills minus four. The bills barely covered that by a whole fourteen points, So I won the bet last week. Um, Caleb had the bills and Patriots over forty three and a half. Um, there was thirty four points scored in the twenty four to ten. Uh, ball game. So unfortunately, Caleb does not get the handshake or the high five this week or uh, uh, from that game. Uh, last week, I actually won one of my Bronco picks. So uh, they were at Baltimore last uh, last week and the the line was 38 and a half points. And I was like, oh, <laughs> It's gonna be under that. <laughs> and I could have won. I went and checked um, that if I would have bet, um I of course would never bet. But if I bet the game before the game started, under twenty and I put a hundred dollars bill on it, I would have won around four thousand two hundred dollars um for the the for getting under twenty. And because it was it's such a in the NFL you don't generally get games under twenty that are not in bad weather games so it was a very big number and I would have won some some money but um, I do it just for the handshakes and the high fives as Caleb gives the best high fives in the business Uh, but that being said I did have the under the game was was scored nineteen points was scored. So kind of doubled up on uh, covering that Ravens ten Broncos nine, uh, and then the uh, the my wild card last week was Miami versus those 49ers that we just talked about, uh, and I had over the 46 and a half. Uh, 49ers scored 33, Dolphins scored 17. That put up a nice 50 point there, and I won that. Uh, Caleb had his Packers and he won his Packers pick. We're always happy when we Woo, win our one NFL. Of the first times. <laughs> yeah, so the Packers versus the Bears. Packers 27, Bears 19. He had the Packers minus four. They uh, they won that by more than four. Uh, not uh, That was a lot closer than I was expecting. Uh, and then the wild card was those Seahawks, those dang Seahawks that are going to have a really high draft pick because they have the Broncos pick. (laughs) Uh, Minus seven and a half at the Rams. Seahawks win by four, and so uh, do not cover. So uh, Caleb... uh, Giving,
2: I don't know, uh, the Seahawks seven and a half over the Rams. It's like, do people watch the Seahawks-Rams game? They historically own us.
0: Yeah, but the wins are
2: bad. Yeah, but when we were like a Super Bowl team and they were like a two-win team, one of their two wins every year was against us. I still took it. It, it was a bad take. Clearly, I did not get it. So
0: I regret it.
1: So, Caleb, why don't we, uh, we talk about yours? What is the fan vote this week?
0: So uh, we got some good votes on the Twitter poll this week. The one that ended up getting voted in was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at those San Francisco 49ers. I think just in general, knowing that the Bucs are looking like they're uh, dominating the NFC South at 6-6, six and six, and the 49ers, you know, with the Brock Purdy situation, people wanted us to talk about San Fran. We already did that, so I'm not going to belabor the point here. 49ers are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and the over-under is 37 in this contest. Um, So whenever we do this, Stu, we usually just take one line that we feel good about. Um, Before Derek gives his pick or I give mine, is there a line on this game that you think feels about right? Uh, Either the Bucks plus the three-and-a-half, the 49ers minus the three-and-a-half, or
2: over-under the 37? Uh, I mean, you can tell as much as I hate to be because they're the team that's ahead of Seattle in the division. I don't necessarily want to be high on the Niners, but I mean, I've watched this team play and I've watched the Bucks play some games. And boy, if if the 49ers can't beat Tampa Bay by at least three and a half points, then I really have to reevaluate how I feel about some teams in the league. So I feel like that's a, a gimme for them.
0: Derek, what do you think about this game? Are you feeling the same way, or are you going somewhere different?
1: I'm hopping on the bandwagon for the 49ers this entire dang year. Uh, So 49ers minus the three and a half. I think that someone will kneecap uh, Tom Brady in the last four minutes, so he can't score 13 points in just a few seconds. course. Um, That Saints defense versus the 49er defense, probably two different worlds. That being said, 49ers minus three and a half all day.
0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and switch up the picks because I don't like copying uh, the exact same Mm -hmm. one, especially that both of you just had. I'm going to go ahead and take uh, over 37 for the contest. 37 is a really low number. And I think in general, people are going, the 49ers defense is so good. And Brock Purdy is playing. Look, Kyle Shanahan knows how to score points. Uh, I think he's going to find a way. I also think the Bucks, maybe, I don't know what they need to do to realize they need to go to the two minute offense early. I'm hoping the 49ers get up quite a bit and, like you guys kind of predicted, like maybe they're up like 20 to 6. And the, the Bucks go, all right, two-minute offense. And they just start <laughs> plowing up points. And then, like, the 49ers add another field goal. And it becomes like a 23-17 game. Like, just get some points, but definitely over 37. 37 just feels too low.
1: There we go. So uh, I, I I'm very, very happy to let the listeners know that – Caleb is not going to lose his Packers pick this week. He is, is 100% <laughs> locked in because they are on a bye. Yes. Um, close fought game, but Packers come out ahead. Unfortunately, um, the Denver Broncos do play this week, um, and they play versus their bitter rival that beats them a billion times since Patrick Mahomes has been alive. <laughs> Uh, so it is the the Chiefs versus the Broncos. Uh, the line is nine and a half. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to absolutely um, destroy the Broncos, but not by more than forty-two. So I'm taking the the line. The over under line is forty-three. Uh, I'm taking under forty-three. As uh, I'm not sure how the Broncos can score. Uh, well, they can they can get a safety, so it's going to be a 42, um, 42 to nothing game probably. But uh, the Chiefs they they're going to get up big, twenty one points plus, and the Broncos can't score. So I think there's going to be under forty three points scored, but all those points or most of those points are going to be scored by the Chiefs.
0: I just really want to take that s- snip of. I don't know how the Broncos can score and just start <laughs> placing it into like episodes everywhere because uh, it just feels very true to how this season has been for the Broncos. And I feel sorry for you. <sighs> um, let's, let's feel wild a little bit. Let's go with a wild card pick. This is a team or a game that we don't necessarily have an affinity for and we at least get to go out and pick from scratch. Uh, I might be crazy, but I went ahead, I went with. The Ravens at Steelers this week. The Steelers are a two and a half point favorite and the over under on that game is 37. I'm not touching the over under. I'm just going to say the Steelers win by over two and a half. I think it's either a touchdown or a field goal, but the Steelers get the win. And I'm really hoping that this doesn't have anything to do with Harbaugh going for two point conversions. Cause that could end up messing me up. But uh, I do like the Steelers, I've already said that I like them, so it's not really a surprise for me to follow this up with this pick. Uh, but that's where I'm at. Uh, Stu, I don't know if you've looked ahead at the schedule this week. If you want to pick any game or you want to pick the Seahawks game,
2: I'll give you the spread
0: and you can tell me how you feel before we get to Derek's wild card.
2: You know what? You just gave us the the information on the Raven-Steeler game. You said the over-under is 37 the Ravens with a backup quarterback and the Steelers with that offense, I don't see them adding up to 37. That's like, that has 16 to 15 written all over it.
0: 17 to 14. Don't give me 16 to 15 when I pick <laughs> them to win by two and a half.
2: <laughs> they play a lot of weird one-point games. I don't know. Get that bad juju out of here.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, Derek, what, what's your wild card this week? Where Where are you feeling wild?
1: Yeah, so as much as I love the 49ers, um, I'm also on the Eagles bandwagon this year because of our uh, correspondent in the field, Sean Morgan, who is a huge Eagles fan. Um, And so the Eagles are going to the Giants. They're heading to the Meadowlands, and the Eagles are favored by a full seven points. Um, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know how much I love what would be a, a single score, uh, so three points, seven points, fourteen points, um, where they're just uh, they're not half half points or anything like that. Um, you just know how much I I love them. That's complete sarcasm. I hate when it's a a, a rounded score. Uh, But the Eagles minus seven, I'm taking the Eagles because I think they're going to they're going to win by 10 or 11 plus um, over the Giants. Giants have looked good all year, but I think this uh, this game is just a buzzsaw. And uh, I mean, plenty of Jalen Hurts MVP chance out there. And I think he's trying to put on a show to try to win that award. Put him over the top.
0: I will say I know that that game will not end the same way it did last year when Jalen Hurts tried to find Jalen Rager at the end zone uh, because Jalen Rager is a Viking. Uh, so uh, it will not happen. We will not see a, a repeat ending of that. I I hope you're right because I kind of want to see the Giants stumble a little bit, and I think Stu probably hopes you're right because that would help his Seahawks in the wild card hunt. So uh, – no one's no one's going to be unhappy with the Eagles win this weekend. There we go. Uh, well, uh, before we close, Stu, any kind of final thoughts? Obviously, we're going a little long here today, but anything you want to add to anyone who may have stuck around for the whole podcast today?
2: <laughs> no, I really appreciate I love you guys. You guys on Twitter, you... Are up there with uh, people like Ken from the ODPH and Marty from the Pods like us. Where just the support that you guys have on Twitter and social media for the rest of the independent podcasting community is just outstanding. So I've been big fans of yours for quite a while because the the amount of work that you guys put in and just the the relentless positive attitude with everything is just uh, just glorious. So I'm a big fan of that. So I was really happy to be on. I I drafted the movies that I wanted. And I feel good about my list. I feel good. I'm pandering with Die Hard. I think, I think I can compete to win the, the draft. I think.
0: All right. Are you, are you putting this up on your website or are we doing it uh, uh, on Twitter where it might be slightly less biased? <laughs> <laughs> you can do Twitter. That's fine. <laughs> okay. So expect to see that on Twitter later this week, uh, a.k.a. when I have time and get it done. <laughs> um, well... It's been a fun one. It's a fun one anytime we do some of these seasonal things like a Christmas movie draft. Plus, you know how much I love to sit here and talk football. So on behalf of our guest, Stu, my fantastic co-host, Derek, my name is Caleb Walgren, and we are signing out for this episode. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Bye, guys.